on that night, it was declared that a Savior was born. And it wasn't just joy for the people in that moment. It was joy to all mankind for as long as this earth would remain in that fallen state, the sin that, that all were subjected to in the Garden of Eden, the moment had come for the redemption of mankind to be unveiled while being wrapped in swaddling clothes. Amen. Long before Jesus' birthday was announced, his coming was foretold by the prophets of old. Advent commemorates the foretelling of Jesus' birth and life found in many of the messianic prophecies. Advent is a celebration concerning the arrival of salvation for our sins in Jesus Christ. Titus 2, 11 and 13 and 14 states, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people. Though this text is a reference to Christ's second advent, if you will, it's talking about when he returns. It reflects back upon this moment that we celebrate Christmas, the first advent, because on that day, the gospel of Jesus, the good news entered this earth. And the, the word of God has existed, but on this day, all the prophecies about God's redemption was fulfilled in the fact that Jesus Christ was born. In other words, God doesn't just promise, God delivers on his promise, amen? <clears throat> Malachi chapter 3 and verse 2, we read, but who can endure the day of his coming and who can stand when he appears? While many here tonight have been taught what Advent means, we revisit it so that we hold on to it in a consolidation of its meaning around Christ. The candles you see before you, the representation of Christ and what they're surrounded with, hope, joy, or hope, peace, joy, and love, is the reason Christ came. He came to bring us hope, peace, joy, and love. The key is accepting that gift by having faith in what he's done for you you know many people go through their whole life that gift being there it's kind of like how many of you are going to go home by show of hands how many of you open your gifts on christmas eve well that's what the sister it's our tradition we open our gifts on christmas eve and then christmas is all about enjoying them you know a lot of folks open them on christmas day it doesn't matter whatever your tradition have fun with it but 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 here's the deal how many of you are going to go home tonight or tomorrow and just sit there and stare at your gifts and not open them? Anybody looking at, I'll go home, I, that looks like a great gift for me, but I'm going to just leave it there all year long. I think I'll leave that gift in that corner under that tree for the rest of my life. And I hope you're getting the perspective here. That when God gave his son, when he died on that cross, that was the moment where that gift, if you will, was finished. It's finished. The bow was put on top. And God set in front of every single one of us this precious gift of salvation. And the way we open it is by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. It's that simple. Now here's the cool thing about it. Do you know that, that our salvation, that the joy of our salvation can actually be restored to us? Anybody ever lost the joy of your salvation? 
you know, that, that this Christian walk, it's kind of like, you know, living to honor God versus just going the way of the world sometimes can be quite the challenge. And you can start to lose your joy in that. When you understand that what the Bible says about these light and momentary afflictions in our life are working a far greater weight of eternal glory for us, now you understand that it's important to go back and and remember, you know, here's the deal. If you've got to go back and wrap your salvation all up in, in a precious way and, and, and put a bow back on it just to, to make it, you know, exciting again, do it. Let me tell you how you do that. By going to the Word of God. You can't open the Word of God and read and not find all four of these things represented somewhere in Scripture. You look at the hardships that Job went through. He goes through those hardships. In a sense, he loses hope. He loses his peace. He loses his joy. And I think his love might have been teetering when his wife walked to the, you know, to the opening of, 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 of their, their home, of their dwelling, and she says, just curse God and die. I think at that moment he might be like, woman, I tell you, you know, his love was probably you know, in the balance. But if you ever go and read the book of Job and you watch that whole process take place, you'll see it all get wrapped back up when Job's questioning God about everything in his life. And all of a sudden, God says to him, Job, where were you? Where were you when I gave the zebra its stripes? Where were you, Job, when I was measuring the universe by the span of my hand? And we know Job comes to that place of saying, I placed my hand over my mouth. It's kind of like, when you come to that moment of realizing God's bigger than me and I think I can trust him in my life and yield my life over to him no matter how hard things may seem he gave me this precious gift called salvation through his son and I don't think he'd have given his son up for me if he didn't love me amen when we look at this uh, Jesus comes and he's the one who gives us that hope when we feel hopeless He's the one that gives us peace when all around us, everything seems like it's in turmoil. He's the one that gives us joy instead of sorrow. He's the one that gives us love when we feel unloved. And he gives us the kind of love that enables us to share it with others. Christ is, according to Scripture, when it, when it speaks of him as being the Messiah, the actual translation means he's the anointed one. And my Bible tells me that the anointing breaks the yoke and lifts the heavy burden. You don't know what that means. I grew up on a farm. I know what yoking oxen is. My grandpa actually had and yoked oxen with those old plows. We got to do that as little boys. And I thought, we got tractors sitting right over there. You know, he, he, here's his rep. You need to know what hard work is. Uh, one time of that, and I appreciate Because it's like, why we got to grease the track? Why we got to do all this maintenance and, and work? You want to know what work is? I'll show you what work is. And, you know, yoke those oxen together, put that plow behind them, and off you go. And I'm thinking, I'll grease a tractor any day, man. Right? Here's the deal. That yoke is where you fit ox together, and they pull and they labor. He says that he breaks the yoke. Your salvation is not of your works. It's a free gift of God. It's by his grace that we have been saved. And so he breaks that yoke of works off of us and he says, come to me, all you are weary 
and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And what does it? And the anointing also lifts the heavy burden. So when we come to that place of just opening up that gift and letting Christ reign in our life, what begins to happen? The light shines in the darkness. You could shut every light off in this room. It would be dark. Turn one little light on and everybody would know right where it's at. Why? Because darkness cannot overwhelm light. Light will always overwhelm darkness. Amen? Hmm. Malachi 3.1 proclaims, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. Even the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming says the Lord of hosts. Jeremiah 33, 14 through 15, we read, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will perform that good thing which I have promised to the house of Israel and to the house of Judah. In those days, at that time, I will cause uh, to grow up to David a branch of righteousness. He shall execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. When we look at the meaning of the candles again, what we see in the first candle, traditionally known as hope, According to Romans 15, 12 through 13, we see this hope reflected here as Paul tells us. He says, and again, uh, Isaiah says, there shall be a root of Jesse and he who shall rise to reign over the Gentiles. In him, the Gentiles shall hope. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. Do you see those first three candles? Joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. But where does love fit in, Pastor? Look, if you've got hope and peace, you ought to have some joy going on in your life. And let me tell you, in the midst of that, those things are not possible unless the love of Christ has been manifest in your heart and you understand God's love towards you. When you understand God's love towards you, it's very difficult for your hope it, it might be dashed once in a while, but let me say, it cannot be removed permanently because of the love of God working in your life. Your peace might be disturbed for a little bit, but when Christ is there, the love of Christ is working in you, and you know this, that your peace does not come from the situation around you being at rest, but rather your peace comes from the one who came to die for you. And it's a peace that trumps a desire for worldly peace, if you will. We, look, we'll pray for peace. We think of, of, of everything going on in our world today, the wars that are going on, and we get, just get so tired. Does anybody else get tired of it? It overwhelms the whole world. But this is what the Bible refers to as being the groaning and travailing that takes place. And one day, it says, just like when, when a woman's in labor... That, that, that time goes and it's, and, it, and it's in that place of where it's, it, it's, it's going and it's going and the contractions are going and then all of a sudden, birth comes upon her. It's the same way that the return, the second advent of Christ will be. Is that all of this groaning and travailing and all of the labor pains that are going on will one day manifest Christ in the second advent. <laughs> what does that do? comes all the way back to what we celebrate at Christmas that ultimately God's promise once again he doesn't deliver he, he doesn't make a promise and not deliver God delivers on his promise that day is coming trust me and the more you see 
the challenges of this world and the peace of people being stolen from the difficulties rather than holding on to the peace that Christ offers, the closer we are to his return. How do I know that? Because the Bible also teaches us that as that day approaches, people will begin to more or less mock his coming. Where is his coming? Who is this Jesus? And the more you see that, the closer we get. And the greater reason why we should reflect on these things, not just in the Christmas season, but all year long, every year, year after year, so that our light stays lit and shines in the midst of this dark and perverse world for those who may be looking for that light to come to. Because if they see it and they come out of it, they too walk up to the Christmas story. They walk up to that gift of salvation that was wrapped up on Christmas and laid in a manger. The second candle represents peace and the, uh, and, and the Messiah, Jesus Christ, was foretold as coming as the Prince of Peace. We read in Micah 5, 2, it says, But you, Bethlehem, uh, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet you shall come forth to me, the one to be a ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. And he shall stand and feed his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall abide for now. He shall be great to the ends of the earth. And this one shall be, listen to this, this one shall be peace. He doesn't just bring peace, he is peace. You want peace in your life, the way you get it is by recognizing that Christ is peace. When you let him be the center of it all, then peace comes out of that relationship it's not, I have peace and let me see if I can add Christ to my peace. It's let me have Christ and I will always have peace no matter what goes on around me. That was a great place to say amen. The third candle of Advent is the candle of joy. It reminds us of the joy that Mary felt when the angel Gabriel told her that a special child would be born unto her. In Luke 2, 10 through 14, then the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God, and in the highest and on earth, peace and goodwill towards men. The fourth candle of Advent, the candle of love. The light of this candle is meant to remind us of the love that God has for each of us. 1 John 4, 9 says, In this the love of God was manifested or made visible towards us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. We then come to the final candle, and that is the Christ candle. A central location, again, in the wreath, because Christ needs to be the center of all that we do in Christianity. If we call ourselves Christian, and it means to be Christ-like, then to keep Christ at the center is the greatest pursuit that every one of us can 
make in life. Isaiah 7, 14 says this, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. In Matthew, we learn that Emmanuel means God with us, right? Matthew 1, 21 through 23 declares, And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. The Messiah was indeed born into the world and walked among his people. Now, summing it all up, God cared enough about us to come and live like us. When I say live like us, I mean endure the same things we endure. He was tempted in every way, but without sin. When we look at that, did God have to do that? No. And that is a gift. That is a gift. It's a gift of love. Have you ever sacrificed something for somebody else? Give me an amen if you have. You ever laid your life down in some manner for somebody else to help them? Give me an amen if you have. Then you understand enough to know that when God did that, it was a sacrifice. It was a sacrifice for God to give his son. It was a sacrifice for God to give of himself. When you sacrifice that and you help somebody else, did it make you recognize something in yourself that's far greater than just living for self? Amen, if you have. When you, when you do something for somebody else, there's a reward in that that doing something for yourself will never match. What God did in giving his son, what God did in giving himself, brought about millions and millions of people who have been restored back to him in relationship. So if you could reflect upon this, that when God made that sacrifice, when God took that step to come and be among us, he knew what he was doing. When you take that step, we don't make sacrifices, right? We know when we're making a sacrifice, isn't that correct? When we take that step, I want to leave you with this tonight, this thought. When we take that step, that is when we are reflecting the light of Christ in us. Because we've allowed him to use us the way that he used himself. Think about it. God used himself for our benefit. When we do for others, we use ourselves for the benefit of somebody else. It's in those moments that we are reflecting the character of God in this life. Amen? And on this Christmas, what do we do? We give gifts. On this Christmas, when you're opening your gifts from one another, I want you to remember that. That, I get, that you give something to somebody and you're excited about them opening it up and you receive something from somebody. But I want you to remember that. That we, we exchange. And I want to I challenge you with this, this Christmas season. Go out of here and maybe it's not tomorrow, but sometime in the coming year, 
exchange with somebody. Give them the love of Christ. He gave it to you. Take and give it to someone else. You take that light. Give them that light and help them understand and, and help take that darkness away. How do you do that? Jesus said to the lame man, he said, rise up, take your bed and walk, right? No, he said, son, your sins are forgiven you. The Pharisees freak out. Like, no one can forgive sins but God. And Jesus said, which is easier for me to say to him, son, your sins are forgiven you, or pick up your, rise, pick up your bed and walk. But so that you know that the Son of Man has been given authority to forgive sin, to forgive sin. The Son of Man. Not, at that point, he doesn't reference himself as the Son of God. He is setting the pace and saying that we can forgive people's sins. We can go and express to them this wonderful gift that we've received so that they too can come out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Can you say amen? We're going to sing a few carols together tonight. And so I think the team is ready to go. Would you stand to your feet with us if you would? Now, Father, I pray for every person in this room, every family, every husband and wife, that God, this Christmas, Lord, they would sense your anointing. They would sense that yoke-breaking, burden-lifting anointing of Jesus Christ at work in their life. And that God, Christmas would set the pace for the coming year. That, Lord, there would be expectation. We have Advent. Lord, when we think of you for Christmas time, Advent of your second return. But, God, I'm praying for that glorious, hopeful expectation to set down in the hearts of every single one of us this Christmas for the coming year, for the great things you're going to do in our lives, for our relationship growing in you. God, for blessings coming, not just to be blessed, but, Father, to be a blessing to those around us. God, I pray for increase for our families. God, in love, in joy, Lord, Father, peace, and God, in hope in their lives that all of those would be manifest, Lord, in the coming year in a greater way because we are keeping Christ at the center, at the focal point of our lives. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. God bless you on, a, on the count of three. One, two, three.